All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, and influence us are not just salespeople. There are great people throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can help tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, this is going to be a really exciting guest for you all today. This this guy is a master of stories, a great storyteller. He is a CEO of a company called Narrative. They're doing personal storytelling for business. I love this. They really use the power of storytelling to design onboarding programs that create ownership and power and manage and engage employees. He's also lectures frequently at the Parsons New School of Design in New York City uh, on the art of storytelling. And, um, you know, he's just really passionate about helping companies transform how people engage with their work so they feel more job satisfaction, empowerment, and engagement. Please welcome none other than Jerome DeRoy to the podcast. Welcome, Jerome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, Jerome, when we were talking before, I mean, we had a couple of people talk about the power of storytelling, and I thought you you might be a, a nice perspective because, you know, you're a CEO, you're working with companies every day, really kind of, you know, really synthesizing really complex concepts a lot of times in, mm. in business. And sometimes it's really hard for people. We were even talking about like, just when someone asks, like, tell me about yourself or, you know, if you're on a call, just introducing yourself, like how big of a question that is like, and, and how people can sometimes trip up with that. So we'll talk about that and just the power of, of, of how you kind of frame your story and, and how you, you know, really coach your clients on, on telling personal stories. Before we get into that, I, I want to ask people, really this, this simple question. And, and we kind of talked about it, you know, leading up to this and, and you kind of heard it in the intro. When I say the term sell by being human or to sell as human, what first things come to mind for you when you hear that, that phrase? Hmm. Well, I mean, for me, you know, first of all, it's a great question because, and I think it's one that doesn't get posed enough because there is this, uh, to me, the two are, are inseparable. So selling is human, human is selling. You know, we, we just do it all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. And we have different words for selling. And I think that for some people, you use the word selling and it's like, no, 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 that's not at all what I do. It's not at all, you know, part of who I am, even as a human, but they'll use some other words. Maybe it's, it'll be something like advocating for yourself or advocating for your needs or for someone else, right? And that's actually selling. That's you're doing something. You're you're convincing someone. You're maybe negotiating with someone. Some people will use that word too, negotiation. So to me, there is this kind of you know misinterpretation almost of like selling is one thing, being human is another, and the two shall never meet. <laughs> and unfortunately, in a lot of businesses, that's kind of how you approach it. And to me, there exactly one and the same. And, and the moment that you realize that selling is part of everyday life and it's how we move through the world and it's just even a necessity, well, then it becomes a little bit easier to 
deal with it and to be sort of like, yeah, that's part of who I am. It's part of being human. So I love, that's my answer to the question because I just kind of love that it's even asked. And, and I think a really interesting thing to do is to ask people you know, wh- that are in these kind of positions where they're gonna have to sell something or maybe they never have been, what's your answer to that question? You know, when, when you hear the word selling is human, what does that evoke for you? And maybe from those answers, people can kind of find something out about themselves uh, yeah. and their relationship to sales and to being human. Yeah, I agree. I love how you said it because it's like, you know, people think that, that they're, they're kind of not connected in some way, but it's just, mm-hmm. or that, or that this is some new concept, which I yeah. completely dis- disagree with. Like ever since, you know, just the beginning of time when people were kind of like just trading things. I mean, we were, we, we've always had emotions. We've always had these human characteristics. We've always wanted to feel safe. We've always wanted to like just connect and, and um, be part of groups. And there's all mm-hmm. these needs and wants that we've always had. And so, you know, selling is, is just kind of a, a way to, uh, again, transfer belief, transfer emotion, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of get people to open up or do something not because you want them to, or you need them to, or you're desperate to, but because they want to, they've seen something in themselves. You've inspired or taught them something just by, by you know, how you carry yourself, like you said, moving through the world. And when you say that word, like maybe it invokes something in themselves. I bet you, like, there's so many things that you've just in your, and we'll talk about it, like storytelling and, yeah. and your approach where you didn't like, uh, predict the answer that was going to come out of the crowd or the story mm-hmm. that was going to come out of the crowd, but you were able to evoke that in them by the questions that you asked and the way that you framed your questions. So I think that's something so important for people to keep in mind. So maybe tell us a little bit about maybe kind of what drew you to the work that you're doing today and mm. kind of where you learned it. I'm, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about your kind of history and maybe kind of what inspired you to want to, you know, get into the uh, art yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, none of my training prepared me for what I do today. Um, you know, of course, in hindsight, I can find the elements and it all makes sense. But in the moment, it, it certainly didn't feel like it uh, because my background is firmly in the in the business world. I went to business school and I worked in finance for a few years, which took me to great places. I, I went to to Paris. I actually grew up in in France. Uh, my father's fr- my father's French, excuse me, and my mother is American, and so I grew up in this kind of bicultural setting. And then I I traveled uh, for work. I, I lived in Hong Kong for a while, and for a while, all of that worked out really well for me. But then after a few years, I remember very distinctly I was in Hong Kong and I was working for this bank this French bank that was there. And I was on the, the 15th floor and there was a beautiful open desk floor. And all around this open desk floor were the closed offices of the executives. And so, and then on the open desk floor, it was you know a flurry of activity, phones ringing and things like that. And I was in the marketing department from the asset management side. So, you know, there were investment people, salespeople, marketing people, everyone was together on this floor and very active. And, uh, we had these Monday morning meetings and every Monday morning, one of the executives in those closed offices would come out and gather a few people from my team and other people in the conference room. And he would go through the goals of the week and what we wanted, were trying to achieve in the larger context. And as he was doing this, he had a PowerPoint presentation and he never turned around from the PowerPoint. So he couldn't see what was going on in the room. 
And most of what was going on is that people were either taking out their devices. This was the early days of devices. It was the early 2000s, late 90s, and uh, you know, big devices. <laughs> so nothing discreet, really. <laughs> and uh, people were just doing something else. And others, were their <laughs> eyes were glazing over and kind of falling asleep. And he never knew. He never found out. He would even never turn around, even when asking questions, he would kind of point to people where he thought they were and say, hey, Jerome, did you make a note of that for the marketing team? And then I scrambled for my notes. And, <laughs> and so after four years of this, every Monday morning, one of those Monday mornings, I came back to my desk and I typed in three things in my search engine. One of them was business. The next one was film. And the next one was New York. And after, you know, I think a, a few more days or even weeks or months passed. And finally, I went into my boss's office and I told him, Lawrence, I quit. And, uh, and he said, well, I don't understand. You were on the path, you know, to the corporate ladder and we were going to send you back to Paris, our headquarters, you know, where, where you had a, a great future in front of you. So what, what, what is it? What are you going to do? I mean, oh, don't tell me. You're going to go and work for another bank because they pay better. I'm really sorry. My, my hands are tied. I can't give you a raise. And I said, no, 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 that's, that's not what it is. And he said, oh, I know, I know, I know. It's gonna, you're going to go and work for a consultant because that's what half these people do here. And, and I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that either. And then, uh, and then he said, well, I don't get it. What are you going to do if you're not going to be in finance or in consulting? And I said, I'm not sure but I know it's gonna be meaningful and creative. And I left. <laughs> and then I was in New York City and, and I was looking for a job. And uh, my sister lived there, so I had an incentive. And I, I was pre, pre, you know, browsing through job listings, quite literally in the film world. My idea was that I would help people put their movies out there. I would help the independent films. I had quite a, quite a grandiose idea of what I could do there mm -hmm. <laughs> with my business background. And through that, I met, a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker. His name is Murray Nossel, and I became his intern. And Murray Nossel is the person who founded Narrative, the company that I currently run. And he told me during our first interview about narrative and about storytelling, even though the internship was really about helping him with his latest documentary film, which had just mm -hmm. been bought by HBO and the BBC. So his career in that arena was kind of taking off. And so I had a chance to help him out with that. And he told me in passing about narrative, but not much yet. And then a few months later, he called me into his home to tell me about the next project that we were going to work on together. And by this point, I had become his production manager. And so I was quite excited to get on to other things and, and, and work with him in a more, in a kind of deeper way. And that's when he really told me about narrative. And, and he said, you know, we created this company. It was back in the mid-1990s that we came up with a, a listening and storytelling method to help people figure out how to talk about what they do and who they are, because we believe that those two things are inseparable. And if you try to put one of those to the side, you're not going to be as productive, you're not going to be as fulfilled, you know, because you're just not bringing all of who you are. And, and it started to make sense to me, and I, but I couldn't quite get it. I didn't quite get who it was for. And so he said, well, why don't you look at what we've done all, all these years? And I said, well, what do you have? And he handed me a shoebox that was full of papers. And, and so I went back to my place and I looked at this shoebox and I took out all the papers. And, and I saw that there were stories in a lot of different correspondences, lots of different projects. At the time, there was one with IBM. There was also like a performance and there was something for UNICEF. So very wide array of interest. But at the heart of it was this idea that if you're able to tell your own story 
not the story of somebody else, not the story of the CEO, not the story of the best salesperson you know, but your story and really mm-hmm. tap into those experiences, yeah. then you will better be able to relate to other people. It'll make you a better listener of other people's stories. And you'll be able to recognize what are the things that really engage people. And so that turned me on because what I had seen in my background and in that company that I just told you about was that a lot of people indeed were going off to work for other banks and other consultants, but it wasn't because of money. It was because they weren't engaged at work and nobody ever asked me what my story was. Nobody ever asked anybody what their story was, except maybe at the interview stage, but in a very kind of formal structured way where you're kind of on edge anyway. So what comes out of your mouth? I don't know if it really makes that much sense. Mm -hmm. And so this really kind of uh, intrigued me. And that's when it all started for me, where I started to see what we could do in the business world uh, and how we could, we could help people, you know, come up with their stories and relate them in such a way that it would engage others to listen to them and then enter into a dialogue. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a great story of how you became to the person who helps people teach their own. Where do people you think trip up the most in telling their own story of who they are and what they do? I mean, it's, it's to me, you know, the thing that we don't talk about a lot in storytelling and in a lot of different disciplines, actually, you know, the emphasis is very much on what are you going to say? What are the words that are going to come out of your mouth? How are you going to tell those words? Where are you going to stand? Are you going to cross your arms or not? You know, are you going to make eye contact or not? And that's usually what trips people up is you have all these things in your head as to how you should be presenting yourself, how you should be expressing yourself, and what are the things that are proven to work, right? And the thing that we're missing is the listening piece. And to us, it all starts with listening. Even when you don't have a listener, you have yourself. You are listening to yourself all the time. In fact, there's an inner dialogue and monologue going on in -hmm. in everybody's heads Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And whether you're meeting people or not. And the biggest thing that trips people up is when you ask someone, tell me about yourself, then it's like, well, where do I start? And you know, where do I go? And who is this person asking me this? Does this relate? Like, should I be telling them about Hong Kong or about Paris or whatever, <laughs> you know, or about what happened yesterday? And so the the there's all these obstacles that start to emerge. And these are what we call obstacles to listening. And so we always kind of start there, you know, what's, how can you kind of clean the slate a little bit or clear the slate of those obstacles so that a story that's really authentic and genuine to who you are and that's relevant to your audience can actually emerge. So that's to me, the thing that, that trips people up is the inner monologue that's going on, you know, the judgments, the interpretations, Mm -hmm. the opinions about ourselves or about other people. That's what trips us up. Yeah. I can see that maybe just even, you know, when you say that it's, it's, I I can feel it on myself. Like I'm always, I I consider myself a pretty empathetic person. I'm always kind of, I want to make sure that I'm explaining things in the right way. And I'm taking into consideration someone else's feelings, uh, let's say, but sometimes like maybe when I'm thinking too much about that, like I'm, I'm denying myself like that for that authentic story to come out. I'm just like Mm. thinking more about how will that story land on the other person, as opposed to asking myself the question of like, what really 
is the essence of this story and how is it going to be relevant and why would it be relevant in the situation and less yeah. about like how will they react to it and more about like what's the importance of it so yeah maybe tell me you know if you if you know people listening like and they're 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 asking themselves like questions like what should i be asking myself if if i'm trying to craft a good story what questions do you do you think uh, yeah. i should be thinking about well you know building off of that listening piece and and who's my audience and you know what do they want what do they need which is kind of marketing 101 right and there's a missing piece to me there which i think is important for people to understand and ask themselves is you know what makes me so you what makes you care about your audience and what they're doing what they're asking for and is there an experience that you've had in your own life and be as broad as you can be you know it could be from when you were 5 6 years old could be from just yesterday but is there an experience that relates to what your perception of who this person is or this company you know what it is that they're selling needing buying etc that's kind of your preparation and when you're in the room with that person let them speak first and just mm -hmm. listen for a while, yeah. just listen for a while and see if that experience that you thought of in preparation for the meeting is still relevant. And, and this is where we ask the question uh, of everyone, why do you need a story and why now? In that moment, you should come up with an answer because it'll kind of create a, a sense of urgency and it'll also make whatever you say next a little more genuine and authentic and a little more relevant. Because sometimes the answer is, I actually don't need a story. This person is on a roll. Let me listen to them and respond to what they're saying. And whether I have a story or not, I've got it in my back pocket. I'm ready for it. I've, I've thought about that experience. But maybe in this moment, I actually don't need one. All I'm trying to do here is connecting. And if that connection is already happening, then maybe I don't need one. But most of the time, you do need one. And, and you can see that it helps with connection, right? So, so again, in that moment, why story? Why now? And then again, let's see if that experience I thought of before the meeting, is it still relevant? Yes. No, it's not. But something else emerged because that's kind of what happens with human beings. If I hear a story from somebody else, it triggers something in me. And, and it, you know, I go to certain experiences in my mind. And so at that, in that moment, now I have an opportunity to share that with someone and the connection continues, right? So for me, you know, it's really about finding those connections between people, but start with listening, let them speak, shut up for a while, you know, and, and see what emerges in your own mind and, and see whether that's still relevant, whatever preparations you made. Yeah, it's so true. You know, sometimes like people think like too hard into it and like, they're just using the story for the sake of, I think I need one, but they're asking why, why a story? Why now? I think it's such an easy thing to do when you're first just meeting somebody and someone says like, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, sometimes like the response to that can just be like something really simple to get an emotional connection. Like you, you know, jumped on and said, Hey, like I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, just, I'm getting through moving. Like we just right. tried to move the kids and doing all this. And I'm just in, in New Mexico. And I asked you more about that. Like, where are you moving from? Where are you moving to? And then, and then you told me about your experience. of moving, Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And then we we're, we're, we're connect, you know, we can relate and connect off of that. So it's mm -hmm. so, so true. 
You know, uh, sometimes like I feel like it, I heard once that someone said, you know, kind of if you look any look at any movie or any TV show for that matter, like any scene really is only a few minutes long, if you think about it, right? Like the story that they're trying to convey. And like, I never really considered that, like that mm. people are just trying to tell these things in, in very, you know, quick bite-sized pieces, yeah. like what's going on and, and plays the same way. So, I mean, and it's very intentional, you know, writers are really just, they really just grab your attention. That guy, that presenter had no, he was not telling a story. He was telling a one-way uh Right, um, exactly. <laughs> dissertation or something. I don't even yes. know what you call what he was doing, but um, you know, talk about like maybe how we could. Uh, are there certain frameworks that you you know coach people on, or like when they're thinking? You know, you hear, hear sometimes people in an interview talk about mm. like uh, the the star technique or something, or like you know when they're telling a story, or are maybe you know I, I don't know if there's something where we could think about you know kind of uh, taking a, a large story and just yeah. making it personal to us in a very digestible way. Yeah, well there's kind of two two things really, you know, w- once you've established that, you know, yes, I do need a story and 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 this is a good moment to tell a story. The number one cardinal rule for me and and what we teach people is to answer the question what happened when you're telling a story. So in other words, you're constantly thinking about what happened next, what happened next, what happened next. So it's a very active way of speaking. It's not passive at all. And it's not about the things that you thought about what happened or what you felt about what happened or your opinions about what happened, your interpretations, your judgments. All of that is not part of a story. And what you were just saying about you know movies and TV shows and books, et cetera, they really follow that rule because the best art and the best stories are the ones that let the audience in. And I'm able as an audience member to feel the feelings, to have the thoughts, rather than being spoon-fed what the thoughts are, what the feelings are, how I should feel, how I should think, what my opinion should be. Because the moment you insert your own opinions about anything, then you're starting to divide the room. Some people will agree with you, some people will disagree with you, and some people won't care. Whereas if you just stick to what happened to you and you just tell me the details of that experience, then you're allowing me to come into that experience with you. Now I'm on a journey. Now I'm being taken off to a different place, into a a different, I mean, even if you think of the story that I told you a little bit of earlier when you asked me that question, you know, I'm taking you into a space. It's an open desk floor. It's on the 15th floor. There's closed offices around. You get a sense of the environment. You get a sense of where we are. It's a Monday morning. There's a person there. His name is Lawrence, and he's showing me something on a PowerPoint presentation. There are people around who are doing other things. I could have gone about telling you that very differently if it was everyday discourse and if it wasn't a story. I very intentionally told it to you as a story. But if I was just having a conversation with somebody, most of the time, a lot of people will just say, you know, I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing and I was looking for a change in my life, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to do something more meaningful, something more creative, and I just wasn't that engaged at the workplace. That's not a story. That's a conversation you're having with your best friend who knows you, who knows about the circumstances, et cetera. But when you're meeting people for the first time, they know zero about you. And so take that opportunity to take them into your world. And that's what we crave as human beings. 
we want that. And, and even if we're not conscious of it, our brains are hardwired for stories, meaning yeah. that there are certain areas of the brain that light up when stories are being told and when we're listening to a story. And so knowing that, it's really to your advantage to follow that rule because our brains light up more when we're using those kinds of visceral sensory details, you know? And so when we, when we tell people about this, what happened method, you know, just follow what happened. Mm -hmm. We even say, follow the five senses, you know, what did you hear? What did you smell? What did you taste? What did you, you know, all of that. And so, so you go into it because for some people, you know, describing a meal will be what kind of gets them right. That's part of their life. That's part of who they are. And, and around the dinner table, many things happen, right? Conversations happen. So that's really the first kind of rule. Once you really get that, it's also going to make everything much shorter and, and much more straightforward. And it's kind of paradoxical because a lot of people think, well, isn't that going to be too much detail? Do, do they really want to know the color of the wall? But I actually say, well, they want to know that more than what was going on in your head <laughs> at the time and what you're trying to explain to me. And, and that really sometimes irks people. I have to kind of deal with pushback with that because, of, but, but you have to know what's going on in my head. How will you know who I am if I can't tell you what's going on in my head? And actually just trust that your audience will understand what was going on in your head. They will understand what they were feeling because if you just tell them what happened to you, they will feel it and they will get it. And it's so much more satisfying to get it that way than to have it being, being told. told to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, or forced upon you. Yeah, yeah totally. Exactly. Yeah, and they're, 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 they're intrigued, you know? They, they may ask you questions about that. Like, you know, we almost sometimes, like when you say that story, it's like we think people need to hear the story the way that we're remembering it in our minds mm. or something like that, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. and, and, it's, and our story is ours, but how they interpret it or how they listen to it are, is theirs. <laughs> it's their business. Exactly. And it's not your business to try to figure that out. Exactly. Right. Wow. And, yeah, and that's, that's when, when we yeah. get tripped up. Right. So we get tripped up at the first stage of listening and then we get tripped up in telling it. Yeah. When we try to get into the head of the other person and kind of understanding, you know, it's like that stand-up comics who have, you know, a great joke to tell and it, and it's been working 10, 15 times in a row, but then the 20th time doesn't land. Oh no, what's going on? And then it changes their whole perspective. But actually most people, they just continue, right? They just continue. <laughs> yeah, they just, just find something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Find something to refine it. Maybe it's, I need something new or some new material, whatever it is. And that's the point that it, things are meant to evolve, right? And they're meant to evolve according to your audience and who's listening to you. So the only way you can really know what's going on for others is paradoxically by just telling them what happened and then they will jump in. They will ask questions. They might tell you a story. And now you know that you're connected. Now you can kind of lean in and just listen to what they have to say in response to all the information you gave them through that story. Because if they tell you a story, that's going to give you a lot of information about who they are, what they want, what they need. And if you're selling something, now you're in kind of winning territory, right? Because now you're getting all that great juicy information that maybe they wouldn't have given you if you had just started with, here's who I am, here's what I do, you know, kind of the bullet point list. Yeah. 
Tell me about, you have this technique, we talked about it before that, you know, I think uh, another component is really telling something with conviction. It's like, it's mm. visceral, it's something personal to you. That's like the power of stories isn't, you know, just by regret, like marketing has tons. I always say like, you know, if you look on our website, we have tons of great stories, you know, marketing about our customers and I can tell them, but it's not going to have the same weight if I wasn't, you know, as, as if I was involved in that, I, I talked mm. to the customer and I, heard their pain or I felt that, or I actually saw what was happening on their end, or they told it to me. And so sometimes I'm always like, you know, trying to use the words of clients, not like the sanitized, maybe marketing speak right. uh, sometimes that I, I will see. So you, you said something to me, sometimes when you get people to kind of like, remember a personal story, mm. you say, tell me about your, your grandparents or yeah. something. Yeah. And I thought yeah, that yeah, was yeah. so good because we were talking beforehand and I, I just ran, I didn't even know that, you know, about you, but I said something about like, well, to know me is to know my family and to know my dad and, and what happened to me in the last year and him, unfortunately passing away. But this guy came from this great family in DC and who they're mixed race. And the, my grandmother had to pass for being white. They were both so light-skinned that she had to pass for being white to get a loan from the bank to uh, get their home in DC. But despite her husband being a very prominent doctor in Washington, DC. And, and then we went on this great story. I told you this great story and you're like, wow, I never thought that that was going to come out. I'm so glad. So tell me about that technique and why you think that, that really helps people frame their, well, their stories. Know, it's one of the things that gets in the way of being able to tell a personal story is that it's personal. And so, you know, a lot of people have kind of boundaries or, you know, especially at work where, you know, what, what is permitted to tell what's not depending on the culture of the company or your perception of the culture and yourself according, you know, with others. So we decided early on to kind of bypass that and, and to find a way into the personal realm. That's not too intimidating or that doesn't inhibit because that's kind of, you know, what we want to avoid. And so Murray, the, the founder of Narrative, in the mid-1990s, when he was coming up with this idea of storytelling as a way of people, you know, for people to express themselves in a more authentic way, came up with this exercise, which we've since then entitled, you know, Remember Your Heritage. That's one of the steps of our method is that you kind of have to go back to where you come from. But how do you access that in a way that doesn't feel too, again, like a template or bullet point or even like a resume of your life? Well, that's when he decided, well, why don't I ask people to tell a story about their grandparents? But instead of just telling the story of your grandparents, you know, like my grandfather was born in so, so and so on such a year, et cetera, then he met my grandmother, blah, blah, blah. Well, instead of doing that, tell the story as your grandparent. So now you're not saying, you know, uh, my grandfather's name was Clifford Linscog. You're saying, my name is Clifford Linscock, and I was born in 1904, you know, and, and, all, and I came to this country from Sweden, et cetera. That's my grandfather. But, you know, it, it's uh, suddenly when people do that, first of all, we don't give them any, any preparation time, right? So it's just like, introduce yourselves, but not as yourselves. Introduce yourselves as one of your four grandparents. And the, the reason we did this is that the moment people start to look at that, first of all, many people really love their grandparents. And there's four of them. So you can choose, you know, even if there were some that you didn't quite care for. And even people who never knew their grandparents, they still have a story about them because it's been passed on, right? Through their parents, et cetera. 
And there's always something, some anecdote, or there's a photograph somewhere that evokes something. So people can easily come up with something. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that you start to make these connections without any preparation, without any discussion about story structure or what's compelling about a story. And many times people are really going into the detail of that person's life in a very visceral experiential way. You know, they were on a boat, they were here, you know, first they were in Alabama, then they were in Mississippi, and then, they, you know, there were no roads at the time, and here was their favorite meal, and here they are making, making a meal together with their grandson or granddaughter, you know, and, and so they bring something of themselves to it, and so it really opens people up, and what ends up happening is that when you hear these stories, you start to know the person uh, who's telling the story, even though they're telling it about their grandparent, they're really, they're revealing something about themselves many times, even to themselves, they're kind of surprised mm -hmm. by what comes out of their mouth. And so it's, it's, it's a process that we use and an exercise we use to kind of demystify the whole thing around storytelling of like, you know, oh, I can't do that. That's for other people. I'm not that charismatic. No, we all have grandparents at some point, you know, and we all come from something, someone in a time before us. And so there's a lot of different things that are happening when we're doing that, you know, the dynamics of honoring that heritage and honoring that person. And for the audience, they really get to know you in a very, very different way. And it's suddenly you're, you're now dimensionalized. You know, you're not just John from accounting, but suddenly you've got this whole other persona that that's human at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. That's it's so good because, yeah, it's somebody that feels like, oh, man, this isn't me. Like, I just I, I struggle with this or I over talk or I overshare. If you're putting yourselves in that. Yeah, I mean, you've you've heard stories. Uh, maybe if you don't if you didn't know your grandparents directly, yeah. maybe you heard a story told to you about them, you know, yeah, and so exactly. like you can put yourself in their like shoes in there in that moment in time. And, and when you're, you know, really like trying to be them, it's like. It maybe it comes out of you without even preparing it. It's more natural. Yeah. And it's it's more, or uh, yeah, it's yeah more, you know, uh, like you said, it's more personal. It's connected to your heritage. It, it's it's connected to you know again that it speaks to who you are, and, and that sort of thing. The who are you and what what do you do? You know, I'm really interested to to kind of know how you've seen personal stories you know, kind of like lend themselves to business scenarios and, and things that you've maybe witnessed clients doing where maybe someone told something off the cuff and it was able to get someone to, you know, maybe go in a certain direction or make a certain decision at, at what work or maybe win a, a contract or maybe get a sale as a result um, because someone felt like that emotional connection. I know you mentioned a, a few uh, in an article I was reading, you, you were mentioning some awesome ones in the medical device industry of, of stories that people shared, but what are some that you have, have seen just, you know, firsthand, you know, people, you know, use to really connect to someone and make them do something that they may not have done if not for that story. I'll always remember this one. There's, there's a lot of them, but there's one that really always uh, has really kind of stuck in my mind over the years, uh, because this was, I think, three, four years ago now. And uh, it's, a, it's a fintech company, you know, they, they sell products like we see a lot of them, you know, a version of, of Venmo or something like that, you know, where it allows you to transfer funds very, very quickly, except that this company, what they were doing 
was offering a service whereby if you as a consumer were looking for a, a small loan, you know, to, to help with daily things, or if you have a problem in your house and you're making an insurance claim and you need the money fast because suddenly your water tank, your, your boiler doesn't work anymore and uh, you don't have the $500 to shell out, you know, well, this company, they work with insurance companies and banks, et cetera, so that once you file that claim, instead of usual, the, the usual one to two months before you get your money, it's instant. Uh, and you can put it anywhere you want. So I, I remember this woman who was a, a salesperson there, and I did this training for their sales team. And you know, we talked about this personal connection and and what they were really finding challenging was that, you know, we we've got these great features. And, and that's what we want to talk about. You know, we want to talk about our great features that are so unique and differentiated in the market. And I was like, well, wait, before that, you haven't established any kind of trust with anyone and, and you haven't created that connection. And what's your own connection? What's that personal connection that you have to this issue, this problem of not having the money when you need it desperately? And this woman told this story about, you know, being in college uh, and she was a young mom and brand new wife as well. And her husband had just started uh, as a teacher. So they were both, you know, in their early twenties and they had this kid and they're very busy. And, you know, she had put in, she was, had started to do on the side. This was the early days of like entrepreneurial things online, essentially. And so she started to sell things online, things for, for kids that she found interesting. And so she would source them. And that was kind of her side hustle. And it was starting to do really well, but the problem was that the system she was using couldn't give out her funds, you know, from a, if you, if you asked for those funds on a Friday, you'd get them on a Monday. And so that happened. And she had planned this whole weekend with her husband, the babysitter was going to come, they were finally going to get a break. And she was kind of going to celebrate the success of this new hustle that she had just started, but she couldn't get her money. And so suddenly now a weekend turned into having to go to the grocery store and decide, do I buy diapers for my baby with my baby in my arms, or do I buy, you know, that extra thing to eat? And, and just because of two days, right? And so, so their weekend was ruined, obviously. And then on Monday, she gets the funds and she can buy all the things that she wants. But that frustration, that desperation even, and that kind of, you know, life just on the edge for a moment there, she experienced that. And there was a real panic. And so that allowed her to feel much closer to the people that she's actually selling to. And of course, she's selling to businesses, but those businesses, they have consumers exactly like she was in those same concerns. And so she was able to then bridge that and say, well, now imagine you're a bank, you know, and imagine that you are processing these loans and there's a single mom out there who asked for a loan. She got the loan, but it's Friday night. She can't get into her bank account. If you use us, you can, you know, and now suddenly your customers are much happier. You've got a customer for life after that. And so you're providing a service that's creating that human connection. And for her, it made all the difference. You know, she was talking with people with kind of a long sales cycle. It shortened the cycle. As soon as she shared that story, she would hear from, you know, big bank executives talking about their humble beginnings and where they had come from. So suddenly there's a conversation now that's happening that wouldn't really have opened up if she hadn't found that story. Mm -hmm. So that's one that I always tell because it's kind of like, 
you know, there's that personal connection. You found mm -hmm. it in yourself. And then in mm -hmm. the moment, you realize that you could tell it. You asked yourself that question, why story, why now? You heard something from your client and you said, okay, yes, now's a good time to tell that story. And let's enter into that dialogue together. Yeah. Well, it's so, so powerful because sometimes people go like, yeah, like if I haven't been a buyer of this product, if I haven't actually done this exact same thing, I don't think I could tell a personal story on it. But, you know, she used it just to kind of like put herself in that scenario, like, you know, just by saying the word like, and imagine if you were in this thing, you know, I know for me, I was, I, this, this is what happened to me and it was terrifying and it was yeah. soul crushing and it was debilitating and I couldn't get out of it. Well, imagine yeah. if you're your client now, it's not the same scenario, but if, if they're trying to get access to money and, and, and they can't get it and they experience that, like, that's what we solve or that's how, you know, like it's, it, you don't have to be in an exact scenario for yourself no. to, to connect to a story. It's just ask yourself, we have so many different experiences that like people love interesting people. And, and, and when you share that kind of a personal story about something you struggled with and maybe ask yourself, like, what's something in your life that you, you know, again, again, you know, boundaries and not too private, mm -hmm. but something you struggled with or something that was just frustrating or something that you maybe just ask yourself about different emotions. I mean, there's stories that bring us joy, yeah. joy and excitement and fulfillment and, and others that are, you know, frustration, pain, and struggle as well, but they're out there. And, and if we can connect that emotionally to ourselves, it's maybe much easier yes. to connect that to that person. Yeah. And, you know, the products and services, which, which we deal with all the time, you know, that we're selling and buying, et cetera, they, they carry a human emotion of some kind. You're buying it based on a human emotion. And so the more you can identify what those emotions are, and then find in your own life, in your own experience, when you had those emotions, in what situations, and apply this method of the what happened to that situation. Make it really concrete for people, you know, just like she did. You know, she was in a grocery store on a Saturday with her kid, even though she had planned a whole weekend away with her with her husband. Imagine just saying that. I mean, I feel it now. I feel that that frustration. I feel that desperation. I don't have to use all those words. You just tell me what happened in that situation. But it has to start with you identifying these, those emotions, those values that these products and services respond to. These are all the things that, you know, make us human again, right? Kind of come full circle to where we started in terms of you know, selling is human and human is selling, you know, we could say that with emotion, you know, humans are emotional beings. And of course we're, we're driven by our emotions. And so why, why shy away from that? You know, let's identify those emotions and let's identify the situations and experiences that we can tell as stories in order to relate to somebody else and to relate to those emotions. It'll make you more authentic. It'll make your relationships more authentic and you'll find out things about other people that perhaps you wouldn't have known. And, yeah. and that'll make for a richer experience. So great. You know, I'll, I'll end off before I ask you my last question, just a, a personal story about how I, you know, started this podcast, the, the mm. title and the title of it, I went through a, like a list of 20 things on my iPhone uh, and I talked to you. It, it was inspired by the book To Sell as Human by Dan Pink. And he probably has one of the best book titles of all time. And that's, so I couldn't copy that, but I was like, I wanted to kind of like connect to that in a way. And so there was a, he talks about moving others and, and how we kind of inspire and, and we don't 
you know, it's moving others kind of slowly, like sometimes slowly to, towards a thing. And so I was going to call it the art of moving others, but I thought people wouldn't really get that. And is this a moving, a podcast about moving or selling? What, what is this? And, and so some, I landed on what I landed on. And sometimes people are like, well, you know, I don't like that. That's dangerous. We, you know, you don't want to be like selling humans. Is this a humans trafficking podcast? And I go, no, it's no, like stories of selling human selling is human, right? So I use stories in this format as storytelling and your personal story and story of business to make the uh, statement that yes, selling isn't something that like only some people can do. It's something that we all do, whether we know it or not. And we all are people that are in sales uh, in, in that way. We move about life by it and we do it by tapping into what makes us human and, and that sort of things. And and I, and I try to unlock that in people with stories. And so I'm so glad for, for what you shared in that perspective. Um, so I'm going to end off on a cool story about you, a fun question about you, since I think we're all connected by these individual stories on ourselves. And uh, this is a fun question. So Jerome, if I asked your wife, your kids, just about something that is completely Jerome. So it's like something that could only or would only happen to Jerome DeRoy, what would they tell me? What is that just one thing that's like, you know what? Oh my gosh, that is so totally Jerome. That is, that is just something that would only he would do. What is yeah, that thing? That's great. I love that. I love being put on the spot that way too. Uh, well, let's see. You know, I think I think everyone would have a little bit of a different um, a different okay. answer or a different okay. story that would come according to, you know, whether it's my wife or, or my uh, five-year-old son, or uh, I don't know if my two-year-old daughter yet has any, <laughs> anything that she'd be able to she babbles a lot, but um, uh, I don't think it would be that, that coherent. But no, I think, you know, if you were to ask my, well, I, actually, I'll tell you one, one thing that's, uh, that, that comes up a lot uh, in, in my family and even in my work, actually. And that is that when I was a, I had just moved to New York and, and I hadn't even, it's interesting because this is a story that everybody knows that's close to me. But none of the people that are close to me today were actually in that story. So now they have their own version of it. But I had just moved to New York from Hong Kong, as I had explained before, right? And, uh, and one of the things that happened within the first week is that this uh, person start, would, would call at all hours and you know with a heavy accent that was hard to understand for me anyway. And I sort of was able to place it in maybe Eastern Europe. And then, you know, I never... I, I was subletting from someone. And so I let the guy know, you know, that this strange person calling, he said, oh, just, just ignore, ignore it. And I said, oh, okay, no other details. And then a couple of months go by and, uh, and there's someone's at the door and I open the door and there's this woman there and she's standing there with a, with a man. And the man is about, you know, he's, he's just maybe five feet five or something like that. And she's about five feet tall. And, and he's got sort of a pot belly and she is heavily made up and she has a beehive on her head and uh, which the whole thing looks like a costume. And so I look at them both and then she starts talking and I recognize the voice from the phone and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then she says, is, uh, is Marek there? And I said, who Marek? No, my name's Jerome. There's nobody named Marek here. And she's like, no, no, Marek, Marek, he's here. I know he's here. Let me in, let me in. <laughs> I can't let you in. I can't let you in. I mean, I, so I opened the door just to let her see in the apartment. There's nobody else here, I, I promise you. And uh, she said, oh, well, he's a liar. Never believe him, never believe him. And then she, and then she leaves. 
And, and with this guy who'd never said anything. And then, so now I, I'm frantically emailing the guy that I subletted from. And I ask him, you know, do you know anything about this person who just came by? Because I realized his name is Mark. So yeah, maybe yeah, she yeah, was yeah. talking about him. And then he says, oh, I see you've met my stalker. And, so, <laughs> and, and I said, what? And that's all he, that's all he said. He didn't say anything else. <laughs> yeah, met my yeah. stalker. No, no big deal. NBD. Yeah. yeah. He says, if you ever hear from her again, if she comes by, just tell her I've left the country for good. I'm not coming back, even though he was coming back a month later. And so, you know, the reason that I, I tell this story to a lot of people, and one of the things that, you know, my wife always says about me is that, well, it's, there's only Jerome who would actually react that way. In a sense, like there's two strangers, one's been calling at all hours of the night, it's New York City, not exactly the safest city in the world that, that you have in your perception. And then, you know, he would actually talk to these people and then say, no, I think now you have to go <laughs> and then talk to the sublet guy and say, oh, okay, that's just a stalker. I'll just say that. <laughs> so I kind of roll with the punches and, and, you know, let people, you know, say things and do things. And then I'll, I'll respond a little bit later, but in the moment I'll sort of be like, yeah, okay, you do your thing and, and off on your way now, please. <laughs> You're a very measured, calm person about you. I love it. That's a great story. (laughs) I'm smiling from ear to ear. So Jerome, where can people connect with you, see more of you, learn more about how they tell their stories and and maybe get you to tell even more of yours? Yeah. Well, well, we have a book that's out that's called Powered by Storytelling. And uh, we, we, that came out in 2018. And, and it's really a great way to actually learn because each chapter is a step of our method. So by the end of the book, our goal is that you will have learned how to tell a story of your own. Uh, and then, of course, we use case studies during it. So it's, it's very geared. Uh, it's for the business world. But even if you're not in business, I think, I think it'll, it'll be very uh, beneficial. So that's definitely the first way. Uh, second way is we have our own podcast as well called Story Talks. And it's produced by Narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. So you can find that either on our website or anywhere you find podcasts. And then finally, our, our website has a great blog with lots of resources. And so that's narrative.com backslash blog. And th- I think those are the, the best ways to learn from us. Uh, and of course, to, to get in touch, my email is all over the website and there are different contact forms that you can do as well. So, so that's uh, don't hesitate to do that, even if you have you know, a, a mundane question. And uh, you know, want to know what happened to that stalker after a while? I, I can give you the the follow up to that story as well. <laughs> Love it, Jerome. Thank you so much for all your stories and all the wisdom and um, all the info will be the notes. And just um, really enjoyed uh, talking to you today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're for, welcome. For thank on. you. Thank you for your for your listening and for your stories. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. All right. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.